are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 189 and 190 of Talking Through the Bible. We are doing it. And we just realized it's like we woke up from some kind of uh, literary slumber and we realized we're more than halfway done, you guys. I know, we missed the halfway mark. I was wanted to make a big deal about it, but we've just blown right by halfway. If you've been with us, and I know there's one or two of you out there uh, this year, and we're talking to those future generations that we know there'll be a handful every year, as long as this podcast goes out, of people following along, you're halfway there, man. And it's getting good. It's, all, it's a great book. Mm-hmm. Just a book. I know let alone all the spiritual stuff that um, God gives us through it and all the nourishment, the spiritual nourishment. It's just great. Today we got more more and more of the kings. It's putting things, though, it's giving me a macro kind of view of things, I will Mm -hmm. say, um, understanding all these kings. So we we get to, well, you tell us where we're at. Yeah, thanks. Sorry. Our Old Testament reading for today is 2 Kings chapter 16 through chapter 19, verse 13. That's special because we missed the halfway mark. Oh, okay. Ahaz. Let's talk about Ahaz. Mm. What a jerk, right? <clears throat> right? Am I right? Am I right? Who voted for this guy? Uh, no one. Uh, because <laughs> they continue to put the children of David up. Which is great. But Thank God. But Ahaz ends up being, uh, he's the next king of Judah. And that whistle means he's bad. He goes... He's so bad, the Bible says. How bad is he? He's so bad, he burned his son as an offering to Chemosh or... Um, yeah, so it doesn't say who, but yeah, Molech or Chemosh. He, he's so bad, he was attacked by Israel and Syria. <laughs> he's so bad, he called out to Assyria. So just a note, Assyria is farther north. I think we said this last yes. episode. But Assyria is different. They're bigger, badder, uh, <clears throat> worse group. Yeah, basically at this point... Syria and Israel, who have always been kind of at each other, have now made an alliance right. with one another to keep Assyria away. Ahaz is so bad oh my that he's worshiping all these false gods. He's calling out to like the biggest menacing country on earth right now, Assyria. Oh, and I love how it does say, he's like, uh, he sacrificed and made offerings on all the high places, on hills and under every green tree. Like So he's not worshiping in the temple. He's going around. In any spiritual place, he's just going to sacrifice and get this spiritual high. Ahaz is so bad, Mm -hmm. he goes up to the capital of Assyria. Yeah, Damascus. And to beg, you know, and be like, hey, I want to uh, work with you. Mm -hmm. Help me against uh, my brothers and against Israel and against Syria. And while he's there, he contacts the corrupt priesthood and is like, hey. Jerusalem. I I think his name's Uzziah, right? Yes. Uzziah. I'm going to send you the plans. Oh, they, Uriah. Uriah. Sorry. They have an amazing altar to some false gods up here, and I want this altar at the temple in Jerusalem. Yes. So he sends the plans. Uriah carries them out. So when he comes back, they've taken things like, for instance, like the bronze bowls that hold up the sea, right? Yes. The, the big swimming pool. He's taken those to fashion into their own kind of uh, copy of the Assyrian. Yep. And then uh, altar. And then he takes the original bronze altar that Solomon made for yes. the Lord, 
And he puts it off to the side, and he's like, yeah, I'll use that for my private divination use. Right. Like, that's just extra to the side. And that's some of the themes you'll see. like, oh, man. What you're starting to see now is the kings of Judah. And I remember when I was in Rome, they talked about the Colosseum and how uh, the Vatican had taken, there used to be gold and all these precious things Mm -hmm. in the Colosseum. And then during certain periods of time, like after 200 years, they took the gold from here and put it in the, the Vatican. And that's happening here with God's temple is they're moving gold, they're rebuilding things. And so he actually move, He actually sets up false worship at the temple. I know. This is who Ahaz is. This is, like a, like, this is a big deal, because at this point, at their worst, uh, <laughs> the kings of Judah have just let it go into disrepair in a yes. neglected temple. But now he's like, I'm going to refashion it and repurpose it to worship the demonic Which, Assyrian gods. Ahaz, you're tearing me apart. Oh, my goodness. The reality, too, is uh, instead of following through Moses... God gave explicit instructions on how to build the temple. Uh-huh. Explicit. It's yes. written out. And so he's getting now new plans from the most powerful country on earth. They're yeah. going to be my God. They're going to be the ones. It's working for them, so why shouldn't we do it that way too? So that's what's going on in uh, in <clears throat> Judah. In Judah. Meanwhile, over in chapter 17, I think chapter 17 is another... I've seen like two or three kind of big mountaintop focal points of the story so mm-hmm. far. The Exodus was one. Mm-hmm. Going into the promised land with Joshua was one. And now we're at another one. Mm-hmm. And this is where uh, Israel is finally taken over by Assyria. Israel's, this is the chapter where Israel is gone. The 10 tribes, yeah. all the land, it's going to be taken away into exile. And it's actually gone. And it's under the reign of Hoshea. Yes. He gets all the wrath of Assyria for not, um, he tries not to pay tribute and tries to team up with the Egyptians. So what I think we get from history is that, um, so Pekka was the the king before him. Right. And so the, uh, was it, who was it, Syria or Assyria? It was Assyria. So Assyria kills Pekka and puts Hosea in as king. Like a puppet. Yeah. And they're like, you're going to. You're going to be the king of this area, but you work for us. And Hosea eventually goes, I think I can b- make a break for it. And right. I, I don't have to work for them. And I'm going to call on Egypt for help. Yeah. And it goes all wrong. So it goes completely sideways on him. They end up besieging um, Samaria mm-hmm. for three years. Three, they put Hosea in jail. Yep. And then eventually they get Samaria. They they export all the people, all God's people. They send them out all the way to the Medes, like mm-hmm. the Persians. And so basically all these people are coming from the Tigris and the Euphrates, kind of the cradle of civilization is yeah. how we refer to it kind of historically. And so they're exporting, taking out God's people. And then they're bringing in like different people from Babylon, Katha, Alva, Hamath, and uh, Sepharvim. That sounds like something from Ikea. It sounds like a nice chest of drawers. Mm. Did you get the Sepharvim? Anyway, they're bringing these people in, and the northern tribes then are integrated into the populations of these new lands and pretty much lost forever. People have tried to say they trace themselves back, but the ten tribes are wiped out. Yeah, the ten tribes are completely wiped out. And then there's this beautiful passage from whoever's writing this, right? Mm -hmm. Like a priest, it sounds like, where it goes on and on. 
that God has been trying to stop this from happening. Yes. And sending prophets and mm-hmm. giving them his word and protecting them and answering their prayers. And But they're so hard-hearted. They wanted to be like these people. Mm-hmm. And now they're actually getting what they've always wanted, mm-hmm. which is to be like everyone else uh, at the mercy of some kind of demonic God of the land, mm-hmm. wherever you live, and not the God of the universe. And so it's pretty sad. That's why it's a big moment for me. It's so sad. Yeah. Because it, it's like you lose... God had done everything he could, you know, to turn them from evil. Mm-hmm. And now it's only, if you look on a map, it's only Judah, who has a little bit of Levi. A lot of Levites are there for the Levi, temple. Benjamin, and Simeon. And Benjamin and Simeon basically get absorbed into Judah. Right. Uh, so they act like the original inhabitants. They get treated like the original inhabitants. Mm-hmm. Um, the land vomits them out. Right. And then these people come in and live in their homes. And if yeah, you remember, so then, so then Assyria takes all these people and then replants them into Samaria and yeah. is like, okay, now we left some of the natural inhabitants and now you're going to intermingle. And so it's like captives from other areas are now being brought in. And you're like, here's this land. And they're basically trying to destroy all nationalism is by doing this. But this is why in Jesus' time... yeah. Jews hated Samaritans. The Samaritans. Because yeah. the Samaritans weren't related to they weren't part of the tribes at all. No. They, they in were fact from they were all, other... all they were all the people they were supposed to kick out of this land. No, they're just from way, way they're, they're just from farming. everywhere. Well, then a weird thing happens as they're living there, lions yeah. are attacking the people to the point where the king of Assyria says, Bring back a priest. So essentially what happens is have all your gods. Mm-hmm. But then let's tag on the God of this land because the ancient mind is this only connecting that there is a God named Yahweh, mm-hmm. but he's only God over this land. Yes. And so we need to become friends with him so he protects us. Mm-hmm. And so essentially then you have all these different people living now in the promised land, yeah, worshiping other gods, and then adding on, because this priest goes and tells them the way of the Lord, yes. adding on uh, the way of God. And... Just to take a hard, hard line here, I was reading this going, this kind of sounds like America in a way, or it sounds like the temptation within American churches. And here's what I mean. Yeah, explain. Explain. It's very tempting to worship at the altar of work, to worship at the altar of being important and having purpose and figuring that out in this world. Mm-hmm. And doing all the things the world says, holding all the things the world says are important, important. And then tagging on once a week, God. And kind of going, well, I want to cover my bases and be good Mm -hmm. with God. And in fact, we've even presented the gospel that way. Like, hey, why not? At least cover your bases. And um, there's value. There's still value to that. Yeah. Like, they're not totally forgotten by God. I mean, you'll see that when Jesus goes to the Lady of Samaria. It seems like they... Are no longer being eaten by lions. They're no longer being eaten by lions. And that's why I say it's like America, not to go, we're all fake Christians. I'm not I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying we're we're still blessed because at least we have some semblance, or at least Christians in America, but it also is a call to say, What are we actually worshiping? Mm. This looks and sounds familiar. Yes. Okay. Anyway, it's interesting for me. And so I repented and said, God forgive me for bowing down to anything other than you and letting mm. it rule my life. It's a daily thing for me, actually. Not even a joke. 
All right. Then we get to a good part. Oh, man. Even better part. We get to 18. And this is like a bright spot in the midst of all of this. Because no, there's nothing left. There's no coffee left? At least make the noise for our listeners. Okay. He's not lying. So this is proof that Matt tells the truth when he speaks about God. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, So we finally get another amazing king. There's only good kings in Judah. In Judah. But this is like... Since David, there's yeah. been no other king that's followed God like he has. Mm-hmm. So we get Hezekiah, Ahaz's son. So Ahaz... The, the worst. The, one of the worst kings to date, to the story so far. There actually is going to be a worse one. Um, but yeah, Hezekiah's son. <laughs> yeah. So Hezekiah's sandwiched. He's yeah. like, there's an evil sandwich, and the middle is really good. <laughs> Hezekiah is the meat. Yeah, so he- Hezekiah, I think... So he's... At the end of Isaiah's time, right. Isaiah the prophet, and I think he's just kind of grown up hearing everything Isaiah has said and seen it come to pass and is going, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. You know what? My dad has done nothing good and it's all been taken from him. I'm going for the Lord. And so he he is the first king to destroy all the high places. Yeah. Hezekiah goes through and does the hard work, breaking down all the high places, mm-hmm. saying, we have a temple. Yeah, there's a place to worship God. It's not here. It's mm-hmm. at the temple. He actually does that work. He also breaks the uh, bronze serpent, which we find out. Oh yeah, people like, had been worshiping the bronze serpent that way, way back that Moses made in, in the numbers, desert. Yeah, yeah, that's still around, and people have been using it as an idol. And he's like, okay, that's got to stop. Then he fasts, mm-hmm. and it says something we haven't heard for a long time, which is the Lord was with him. Yes, the Lord was with his presence was with Hezekiah. And it's like, oh, thank God. And a word that's not used a whole lot in the uh, in Second Kings is he trusted in yeah. the Lord, yeah, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him, for he held so fast to the Lord. Man. So this is great. Now it's completely tested. I feel like this. We're getting to a point where it's almost like. The second um, testing, you know, you get this testing in the Garden of Eden. Oh, yeah. Like, can you trust God? We get this now in the story with Hezekiah, and it's so intense. It is so intense. That, um, I mean, it's worth, if you haven't read chapter 18, this is part of the, what I think is the pinnacle. It, and the pinnacle of the story is Israel's gone. Will Judah make it? Will they make it, or will this story just end? Like, yeah. if you didn't have all the pages behind it, you'd be like, or you're watching it unfold. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the end of the episode. Like, Ahaz is horrible. Everyone's abandoning God. Oh, there's one guy he's going to try to do good, but what can he do? Yeah. So he has he broke away from Assyria. Mm-hmm. They just conquered Israel, and now they're going after Judah. And he's going like, okay, let's let's try to work out a deal. But they decide that it's not good enough. Yeah. Like, his, he does give them a ton of money, and they're like, yeah, we don't care. And so... Yeah, he does what everybody else does, which is, like, okay, we'll, money. we'll pay you, you know, we'll keep the peace. But um, they don't care, so the king of Assyria sends his, like, three commanders. I love their, the commanders' uh, titles. Tartan, Robseris, and Robshaka. Right. Uh, and so he sends these three commanders to go uh, siege Jerusalem and basically give demands of surrender to Jerusalem. 
And the things they say are probably some of the most demonic and most straight-up attack against the Lord and his people and the faith that we have. Yeah. Um, it comes... Do you want me to say I have something? Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say before I get to what they what they actually they say? Ch- no, no. Yeah. Um, basically, they're accusing, mocking, challenging, and kind of revealing that they probably had spies, so they know what he's thinking. Yes. And uh, this is what he says. Mm. This is what this guy says. Uh, Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you out of my hand. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying the Lord will surely deliver us and this city will be given into the hand uh, of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to mm-hmm. me. Then each of you will eat of his own vine and each of uh, one of you his own fig tree and each one of you will drink the water of his own cistern until I come and take you away into the land like your own land, a land of grain and wine. He's making these promises that you may live and not die. Do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you by saying, the Lord will deliver us. Mm -hmm. Has any of the gods of the nations ever delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? So he's saying, don't listen to God. He goes on uh, and he talks about how, basically he says, look at all the people who trusted in their gods and now they're dead. Yeah. Do not trust. But he says something even earlier I didn't read. Yeah. Which is, um, do you think a word, this is the thing I like, do you think a word is stronger? Do you think that the mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? Behold, you are trusting now in Egypt, and he makes fun of Egypt, and then he makes fun of God. Mm -hmm. But he says, you can't trust in a word, which is essentially what it is for us Christians. And, And really, this is, at this point, this is all Hezekiah has. Yeah. He's like, he shows like the weakness of their army. They have nothing to stand against them. And he's like, even their allies. I know your king is going to tell you to trust in your Lord and that your Lord's going to save you, but your Lord can't save you. And this is the big challenge. And everyone's standing there listening to this, going, uh, and and he's speaking in Hebrew. So even all the guards and sentries and anyone who's in earshot can understand. Mm -hmm. And everyone's hearing this and going, look at the facts. You are over. The facts are you're over, your God won't protect you, he hasn't protected this country, this country, this Mm -hmm. country, Syria is taking over everything, and do you think the word can fight against us? Which is so brilliant, that's what the, I mean, brilliant in an evil sense, Mm -hmm. that's what this demonic does to us, says, do you think that just trusting in God, the word of forgiveness forgives you, the word of faith, Mm -hmm. that you have the word of God and you're praying to, you think that matters? No, only what you do matters. Yes. And thank God that's not true. Yeah, and this is where we get Hezekiah's response. Yeah. He uh, tears his clothes, covers himself in sackcloth, and goes to the house of the Lord. And then he sends his... Um, he does everything right. His secretary and his senior priests and everyone to the prophet Isaiah. Right. So he sends them to Isaiah, and they say, uh, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God heard all the words that the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. Yeah, I like that. Because essentially, it's Hezekiah, he repents, 
mm-hmm. recognizes I'm in over my head, which is mm-hmm. what repentance is. I am in deep trouble. Yes. I'm in deep doo-doo. And then he prays. He does everything right. And then he sends for the word of God. And then did you just read the Isaiah part? Isaiah shows up. And then, well, he says that to Isaiah. And then Isaiah's response to this is, I have words for you. And they're better words mm-hmm. that uh, you'll be saved. I will save you, basically. And then he says, and words will, ironically, they're making fun, saying, oh, you're going to trust in words to beat us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, words actually will beat you mm-hmm. because, Isaiah says, they're going to start believing rumors and freak out and leave, mm-hmm. which is what happens. Yes. They start hearing rumors and they get word that someone else is attacking them from their flank side yeah. and they have to go and handle that. And it's all just rumors. So like in the end, it's like the word is extremely powerful. Yes. Yes. So I think they do go back and try to um, get Hezekiah to... Oh, they hear word that... They hear a rumor that Egypt is actually coming up to help them. And so they're freaking out that Egypt's going to come and help them. So they're running... They're moving the army. The Assyrian army is moving to go face Egypt because they think Egypt's coming to get them. And as they're passing Jerusalem, they're like... We're coming back for you. Don't you worry. But I think all the leaders end up dying in battle. Yeah, we'll find that out because we're at the end of today's reading for the Old Testament. But I will say at the end of it, I'm just moved by the reality. Like in our lives, Mm -hmm. it's not as dire as war, life and death. Right. But it is. It feels like that. But sometimes it does, yeah. And we were talking about jobs and relationships and and hopes and dreams, and it just feels like, am I going to ask the Lord for this and just trust Him? Mm -hmm. And the invitation from this this book, we were were talking earlier, like, man, the Bible's a dangerous book Mm -hmm. because it is drawing us into a life that says, I'm going to ask the Lord for things, and I'm going to try things that I can't do on my own. Mm -hmm. And you can surround me with truth and facts and say, oh, you should die, and this should happen, and you're stupid. But it's like, I am never going to be ashamed for trusting the Lord. I'm going to cry out to his word because his word is powerful and he promises and it's loving and he keeps his promises Mm -hmm. over and over again. He promised to David and we just figured out too, from Jeroboam to Hoshea is about 200 years. Yes. So this is 200 years of rebellion for Israel. They get Mm -hmm. wiped out. We're at 200 years for Judah and they've been off and on with good and bad kings. Mm Mm-hmm. God is gracious. He's inviting us to trust his word more than what we can do on our own. Don't worry. There'll be plenty of work to do. I know we're all worried mm-hmm. about, we got to work to prove ourselves and to do good. I know. You'll be able to work. But imagine working under the protection and with the love and the hope of God blessing your work. That's what we need to start to imagine instead of imagining a life of an orphan carving our own way in a world that is against us. Yeah. And then hoping that things work out. So... I don't know. This, this was a huge uh, section kind of in re-inviting us. At all these pivotal moments, it's re-inviting us to trust God's word yeah. above all. Yeah. And we need his help to do that. That's why we go to the New Testament. Thank God for that. Our New Testament reading for today is Acts chapter 26, verse 24 through chapter 27. Well, the continuing court case of Paul. Yes, the court drama. The court drama continues to unfold. And now, he's remember yesterday or the last time we talked, 
he had just presented his case to Agrippa and his sister wife. Yeah. And uh, at, that's where we're at. The, the response is pretty funny from um, Festus. Festus. He hears Paul give a beautiful explanation of the belief in the resurrection. And um, if you're really listening to the gospel, this is a valid response. Mm-hmm. If, you don't, if, you're, if you don't have faith, it's a valid thing to say, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. (laughs) People can't raise from the dead. Yes. And that's when Paul says, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational words for the king knows about these things. So he looks at the king because he's got Jewish roots. I love this. He says, for this has not been done in a corner. Like Jesus's life was not hidden. Right. Like, you know about these things. That's right. Like, you should all know about this. And then Agrippa says to Paul, uh, what, do you think you're going to persuade me to be a Christian just after this one speech? It's so great. And Paul's like, well, uh, I, would, I would love that you'd become a Christian. Yeah. What does he say? He has a great little line here. He, oh, he says, uh, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Right. Like, become like me, but yeah, hopefully you're not chained up. Like me. Which is a cool thing for him to say, because it's easy for us to think like, I need to suffer like Paul. And it's like, no, Paul had a special mission. Yeah. It's, it's Jesus suffered in his way. Paul mm-hmm. suffered in his way. Don't worry. You'll suffer in your way. Um but yeah, he's basically straight up saying, yeah, I don't care. I'll, I have all the time in the world. This is yeah. what I'm, I'm called to do. And then the king rose and he said something I think is a little bit manipulative and not exactly true. He says, this man has done nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Felix, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Yeah, so... It's a little more complicated than that, Agrippa. Like, well, yeah, we could have let him go, and then he would have been well, killed he, by the no, Jews. No, I think he's saying he's rebuking Festus, is what I think he's doing. I think he's saying, Festus, you shouldn't have let it even get to the appeal of Caesar. Right. You should have let him go long before this. Yeah, that's... You're right. I think that's what he's doing. And then Festus probably feels bad. Festus is just like... Felix gave him to me, man. Well, I don't know. I inherited this mess. I didn't want to... I don't want to anger the Jews. Right. And they're going to kill him anyway, and I kind of liked him. It's kind of a cool pet. Yeah. So he talks you, and says big words. So allegedly, Paul could have gone free. But remember, God has called Paul to go to Rome mm-hmm. and speak to uh, the Gentiles. And he speaks. he's going to speak to the highest person. Yeah, Nero Caesar. Nero. So the rest of chapter 27 is interesting. It is completely um, about this kind of the turmoil of traveling by ship. Yeah, so... Uh, he gets the centurions are like trying to basically, they're basically hitchhiking, trying to get to Rome and they're just jumping from ship to ship. Now, Paul has traveled several times by boat and he has some solid experience and he's been shipwrecked at least three times before this. And so he's kind of like, I know what I'm, I know what I'm talking about. And no one listens. And, uh, so at a certain point they're hitting, um, what are they? They like they're hitting like monsoon season or something. Um, he knows like oh this is the time of season that you we get bad storms and so he's trying to tell everyone like hey this voyage is gonna cause a lot of injury and a lot of loss. We should probably like find a safe harbor and not keep pressing our luck here. Yeah. And they're all like, and the the guys who are like the captains of the ship are like, 
he doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. Why do we, you're a prisoner? You're just trying to yeah do something. Mm-hmm. But then um, things go horribly wrong, and they continue to go horribly wrong. And Paul has a vision. Yeah. So they they have a storm. They're caught. They're stuck in this storm that's just tossing them across the sea uh, for fourteen days. That's so gross, man. Fourteen days. They're not eating, and they're stuck on this boat. <laughs> And you're just, you know, like, on a boat, and you're being tossed around. Like, I've been in the ocean being tossed around yeah. on a on a modern boat. Like, ugh. I remember that you told the story. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty great. It's, it's, it's gross. It's hard to not be seasick all the time. So, 14 days of that, they're probably not eating for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, they're, like, losing all hope. They have no idea what they're going to do. They're basically at this point of, it's not going to stop. And we're not going to be saved. And then Paul steps in with some good he, words. He says, take heart. There'll be no loss. Basically assures everybody, we're going to be fine because the God uh, who I worship has told me, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I've been told. But then he's like, but we got to get to shore. Yeah. And We've so, got to find some island and run aground. He says the ship will be lost, but all the lives will be saved. So you see, Paul is kind of this cool guy who's been around. He understands what's going on. He's a tough guy, I mm-hmm. think. But he's got this spiritual side where he brings comfort to everybody to the point where um, it's starting to, people are starting to like try to escape and they're going to kill. Yeah, the, so the experienced sailors are like, this is hopeless, are like trying to sneak off the ship. Paul sees them, tells the centurion. So the Romans, again, they're not sailors. They're just, go, they're just work for the army. Then, yeah, so their thing uh, is we better kill this. We can't let the, uh, well, the prisoners get away. Yeah, so they're guarding Paul, and Paul's like, hey, the, if, these, if the sailors jump off the we're ship, all dead. they're the experienced guys. We're dead. So they, they had, like, the little... Uh, the boat dinghies yeah yeah and they cut that loose so the sailors can't escape from the ship so now the sailors are stuck on the ship and they have to make sure everyone lives then the sailors because they have slaves that row the boat for them right and so they're like well let's just kill all our slaves because we can't let them escape like that's ridiculous but then paul again is like no don't let them do that so the romans are now protecting all the the ships the sailors slaves and then... So that's where the 14th day, he's like, everyone calm down. Yeah. Let's eat. We're going to eat, and we're going to be okay. And he thanks God for the food. And then you realize, um, it says they were... So in my mind, I'm picturing like 10 to 20 people, right? Yeah. But then you get this verse. They all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were, in all, 276 persons in the ship. <laughs> And when they had eaten, they had lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into this. 276 people, man. I know. Oh, that ship must have stunk. Oh, that ship was bad. Oh. Things were bad. So this gives him the story. Then it just tells about how they kind of clunkily get on shore. Like yeah, it's, they, it's they hard. basically run they hit the a ship reef. into a reef. So they were trying to hit the, the actual shoreline, but they end up hitting a reef instead. So then everyone has to jump o- overboard that can swim, and then everyone else who can't is set adrift on planks of wood. Why do you think this is in the Book of Acts? I'm sure there are other like exciting I think, journeys. I think Luke was actually there. 
And so Luke, you think Luke is going, That's that right. was the worst trip of my life. Because the we is being used yeah, this whole, right. whole, whole chapter. So I think Luke is recording it because he was actually experiencing so, it. So like all of chapter 27 <laughs> is like Luke's little chance to go, oh, you guys, this was the worst days of my life. <laughs> Things were not great. Okay, so But also awesome because but, Paul saw an angel who said everything's going to be okay, and everything was okay. Right, and then Luke's, so that's why Luke's telling it. Yeah. Because Luke wasn't with Jesus, was he? Is this the Luke? No, I don't think he so. He was the Luke who interviewed Peter and yeah, these guys. Yeah. So Luke is seeing God work through Peter mm-hmm. in amazing ways for healing and this stuff. So this would be an intersection of like Luke's perspective. Let me tell you about this boat trip. Yeah. Nightmare. And then in there's a little more way. about it on Malta on where they are. Next. But that's, next that'll time. be next time. Woo! I will say, though, it is nice to be able to call on the Lord again in perilous situations. He should have died, but God has a mission for Paul, and it's going to happen. Yeah. And I think he has a mission for all of us, and we're going to walk. If we walk in it with him, we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. All right. Where are we going now? Today I'm going to read Psalm chapter 81, verse 8 through 16. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts, to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him, and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with the honey from the rock I would satisfy you. fed by ravens go in peace and serve the lord we will talk to you next time